0: Hosanna in the highest! Glory to Jesus! Glory to God our Father! And glory and honor to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity that's in among us. God be glorified in our lives, in our midst. Dear brothers and sisters, dear Bethesda Church family, it is a uh, it's good to be back home, back in the middle of the sanctuary, surrounded by. Brothers, sisters, thank you very much for all those who uh, prayed for me. And I know that you prayed for me. God's been good. God uh, protected me and Brother Gabi. And we are back home and ready to continue to worship the Lord and serve him together with Bethesda Church. Brothers and sisters, let's turn the scriptures to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The same passage that Pastor Simi has uh read at the first part of the service and i'll read the first eight verses from chapter four i'll read from esv version and here's apostle paul addressing the believers the community from the church in thessalonica Finally then brothers and sisters we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing that you do so more and more for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one transgress and wrong his brother or sister in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness therefore whoever disregards this disregards not men but God who gives his holy spirit to you father God we are before you and we need your spirit to teach us to take this word this bread of life and to break it down and to feed our souls. I pray, Father God, that you would give us a spirit of enlightenment, of understanding and discernment that your word becomes alive and becomes uh, fruitful in our lives. Fruits that will bring glory to you, Father, in the name of Lord Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for my own vessel. I'm a little tired, Lord, and I need to be energized by your spirit i need that the holy spirit would come upon me lord and in humility i need you to enlighten me to anoint me afresh and to give me lord your word to feed your people to feed all of us as we growing into becoming like jesus your son and our lord and savior in becoming every day more like jesus and help us, Lord, And all God's people say, "Amen, please be seated. I'm a lady to be back home, and the word of God is uh, in our midst, it's a, liv- it's a living word, and we ask the Spirit of God to make it fresh. Many of us uh, might know this word you are well learned into the scriptures but I pray that every time the preachers the teachers of Bethesda church are coming to this pulpit that that we would be empowered and anointed by the spirit of God to bring fresh food from the very heart of God my beloved my Title, that my, my message is titled, uh, based on this word, Who am I living to please? Who am I living to please? Cui plac prin I read a story of Addie Chapman, who was a British citizen born in the early 1900s, and he lived his life like a thief. And he was in and out in the British prisons, and during one of his prison time, he, was, he met two Germans, two German men, who convinced him to join the cause of Nazis during World War II. After his release, Eddie Chapman traveled to Germany to join the Nazi cause and was trained to become a spy and to infiltrate the British army. His first mission was to go back to Britain and destroy a, an airplane factory the Germans sent him out on a plane they parachute him parachute him out in a in a uh into the countryside but the British intelligence already caught uh wind about his uh movements through the country and they actually end up capturing him um they persuaded him to become a spy for his own nation. So he, that's how he became a double agent. A British citizen who was a German spy now became a British spy. The Brits pretended that uh, uh, his mission was accomplished and they produced fake pictures to show that he actually uh, destroyed that airplane factory. And uh, he went back to Germany and produced all that evidence. There was false evidence, false news, fake news, that they, they actually that factory uh, was blown away. And he learned a number of important things about the the, the German army and the technology that they had in, uh, in possession and came back, was sneaking back in England to produce evidences uh, of his spying activity in Germany. He continued to work as a double agent for the rest of World War II. Today's passage, my brothers and sisters, my beloveds, my beloved, raised similar question to probably those that uh, Eddie Chapman must have asked himself, Who am I living for? Who is my ultimate authority? Who's my ultimate allegiance? Who am I seeking to please? My beloved brothers and sisters, by His Word, the Holy Spirit asks us to raise these questions for ourselves, unto ourselves. Who am I living for? Am I living for God? Because this is a constant choice, it's a set of choices that we have every single day, every single hour, every single decision. Am I living for God, or I'm living for myself? Am I living for eternity, or am I living for today? Are my allegiances with God's kingdom and his purposes, or my allegiances are with this world and the prince of this world? But the word of God tells us that God called us to be his people. Of people who live in the light of eternity, who live in the light of Christ's return. Because Jesus is coming back soon. Today's passage instructs us to please God in every area of our lives. And specifically it focuses on our sexuality. Apostle Paul, and I remember just vividly a few days back, I taught this course in exegesis and hermeneutics to 80 students in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And I was telling that we need to look when the Word of God addresses a certain issue in a general way and then moves into the particular and the specifics. For instance, very applicable here, God's Word calls us to be holy. calls us to holiness, to reflect His holiness. But if if we are saying be holy, it's a very general statement. But then it goes into the particulars and the word of God in today's word talks about the holiness in our human sexuality. In other parts of the word, the the Bible says be holy, stay away from idols. In other parts it says be holy and be a loving individual to reflect again the character of God. So today, the question with a focus on our our human sexuality, the question is, are we living to please God, especially in the area of our human sexuality? As Paul begins this passage, he is writing to remind uh, the church what he already had taught them. He uses the word that's in Greek, Uh, Paragalia, which means instructions. And this is a word that's used in the military uh, verbiage. It's like commands. It's an instruction. But those of us who have uh, fulfilled our military service, we know that when an officer addresses the soldiers, it's a command. It's never a suggestion. It's not something that we have the choice of obeying Or disobeying or to just simply, you know, uh, not even hear him. The word of God using this paragalia means it's a mandate, it's a God or divine command to all of his children, to all of his followers to be holy. And he reminds them that I talked to you about these things and now I'm just recapping, I'm reminding you. What Paul has written here was inspired by the Spirit of God. As I said, they're not mere suggestions. They're not optionals. They're not things that only the super Christians, the, the pastors, the, the missionaries are called to live by. These instructions are for every single one of us. Because our Father, Heavenly Father is holy we ought to be holy like our heavenly Father. Amen. It means that I when I said I want to follow Jesus I'm no longer living to please myself. I'm living, I'm li- I'm living to please God. Now from another perspective, the idea of living to please someone else brings the idea of relationships. It is highly relational especially for those of us who are married, uh, it is similar to what we have committed at the altar when we said, I do. We committed to please, to serve one another. In in other words, we live in, in our marital life to please our spouse. Now, I hope that our marital relationship, my beloved brothers and sisters, uh, we are asking these type of questions. How can I put a smile on my spouse's face? What can I do to bring joy to my husband, to my wife? How can I live to please and to serve them? How can I put their needs above my needs? And obviously this passage prompts us to, uh, to ask Myself and to ask ourselves, am I living to please God? Am I living to put a smile on my father's face? It is a highly relational language. And we see that uh, Paul in verse 1 says that we should strive to live to please God more and more. It is a process. It is something that we are not born with. We need to learn it. We need even in a marital relationship, we learn and we grow into serving one another. So it is with, with a spiritual walk, with our walk in this world, it is incrementally, as second uh, Corinthians 3:18 says, by the spirit of God residing and dwelling in us, we are being transformed from a stage to another what 's the final destination in becoming more and more like Jesus in his in attaining a resemblance of his character. This is actually the main idea that Paul is stalking here in this passage. Are we as Christians living to please God? The second idea of this passage is that our lives should reflect god's will and is specifically as i already mentioned pleasing god with our sexual obedience to god's word to god's expectations let's read again verses three to six from the passage first thessalonians four for this is the will of god starting with three for this is the will of god your sanctification That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother or sister for that matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you both beforehand and solemnly warned you. Apostle Paul writing to the churches that he established. Oftentimes, he creates lists, lists in which he describes the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit, for that matter. And Brother Simi mentioned some of them this morning. The the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, patience, and so on. But when Paul describes or creates these lists of the things of the flesh, always... He places at the top, the first listed sin is sexual immorality. I'm going to give you a couple examples. For instance, in the same passage mentioned by Brother Simi, Galatians chapter 5, on the other side of uh, the fruit of the flesh in verse 17 says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires... Of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed. In verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. What's the top of the list? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. We see sexual immorality is right there at the top. Uh, also, other passages, Apostle Paul uses the similar list where he places these uh, uh this sin at the top of the sins another example colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says put to death therefore what is earthly in you what's the first one sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and so on apostle paul and then he explains why this is such a kind of a sin in its own class in first corinthians because he goes all the way to the creation story when the man and the woman adam and eve are to become one flesh this is a sin in its own category worse than other sins because it's it's done in your own in in in, in someone's own flesh in someone's own body so are you going to take your body and make it one with a prostitute Apostle Paul rhetorically asked that said, absolutely not. Because don't you know, don't you remember as I taught you that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. God resides in each and every one of us. And Apostle Paul in this morning's passage takes this sin of immorality and makes it as a central part of God's will for each and every one of us. Not for the pastors only. Not for the leaders only. It's from the oldest to the youngest. Because this sin attacks the older people too. Boys and girls from the earliest of their ages. Especially in the in, in the society that we live in. We are constantly bombarded by, by sensuality, sexuality, pornography. Media is amplifying all this pornography is making eight billion dollars profit every day by destroying lives destroying marriages destroying relationships and apostle Paul brings the second idea of this passage says that it's that we and our lives we should reflect god's will and god's will is a clear command and his will does speak to each and every area of our lives but more particular this morning the holy spirit through his word addresses the idea of human sexuality that god expects that his children will be sanctified in this area and this is the will of god your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. There are three major components of God's will when it comes to human sexuality. We need to understand, number one, first, human sexuality is a gift. It's a gift from God to his creatures, human beings. We see this in verse 4. God said that there's a way we can have and enjoy sex that is holy and honorable. Not in passions of lust like the Gentiles, but in holiness and honor. And sex is a gift that is holy and pleasing to God, and it's a gift for three reasons. It is a gift first and foremost because God made it pleasurable. I know talking about sex and human sexuality sounds strange, but God is not ashamed to talk about human sexuality because it's a huge component of our lives. And God could have made marital life pretty boring, but he chose to add this pleasure. But it is so important to understand that when a husband and a wife are joined together this is a blessing it's a beautiful thing and it's designed by god it is god's design it is a gift to be enjoyed between husband and wife secondly the human sexuality is a gift uh, that keeps on giving because through marital sex again the underscore line that goes It's under marital, in the confined of marriage. God ordained that humans are to procreate and multiply through the gift of sex. And thirdly, it's a gift from God because it teaches us how to serve, how to serve one another in, uh, in marriage. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 4 through 5 says, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again. So Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The prescription that Apostle Paul is using here for marital sex is how to give yourself to your spouse unconditionally. And it teaches how to serve your spouse, to serve one another. And ultimately, that is what Christ was a servant to his church. Marital intimacy is actually a unique tool from God to teach us how to serve one another. Second thing that uh, we need to know regarding God's view of sexuality is that God has clear boundaries to his invention that is called sex. We see this in verses 5 and 6. We are told that we are not to engage in sexual activities in passionate lusts like the pagans because it is so powerful. We need to learn how to control it. You look at the powerful river. When it's going and stays actually in its boundaries. It brings life, produces electricity. You can fish and feed yourself. It's all positive and beautiful. Well, when that river is going outside its banks, brings death and destruction. That's why God is teaching us that we need to learn how to control. And Pastor C.B., Underline this this morning, it's by the spirit of God residing in us. We cannot do it on our own. We need to stay and be one with the Lord, with his spirit. Because it's the power of the spirit of God. It's the wisdom of the, the word of God that empowers us. And through the fruit of the spirit, which is called self-control. Stepunita decine. the These are the proper and God-given boundaries for human sexuality. There are also consequences when when people are breaking those boundaries. The word used in ESV is transgress, which literally means in verse 6, trespass. So sexual sin, according to the scriptures, is a form of trespass. We have gone somewhere that we shouldn't have gone. We Trespassing into someone else's territory. These are the clear boundaries that God is speaking about. Any form of sexual sin is a form of theft. We stole something that we did, it did not belong to us. We, we stole it. In premarital sex, we can talk about sex, getting sex from someone who doesn't have the right to give sex. Pornography, mentioned already, is also theft. Because those indulging indulging in porn, in pornography, are taking sex in a way it was never meant to be. And also in adultery, one is stealing from their own spouse or someone else's spouse. The sin, the sexual sin is a theft because we trespass outside the boundaries that God established that should be always into the confines. Of the marital relationships. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Because all forms of sexual sins are theft at its core. Third, there's hope and healing for sexual transgression, for sexual sin. The Bible says that regardless of what you've done in your past, regardless of What any, even children of God, because unfortunately it happens among children of God. The devil pushed them to cross those boundaries. There is mercy. There is forgiveness at the cross of Jesus Christ. When any believer that had sinned comes to the foot of the cross And cries in repentance before the Lord the blood of Jesus Christ will wash you and will renew you because this is the promise of the gospel he took Jesus took all of our sins upon himself and he was raised from the dead to express his victory over sin and death I love how Paul describes some of those although the those who are mentioned here are those who were before the cross in first corinthians chapter six verse nine through eleven apostle apostle paul says do not be deceived Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greed, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God at the cross of Jesus Christ there's forgiveness when we come and repent maybe even in this church maybe somebody sitting and listening maybe somebody on internet listening you might think you might be deceived by the devil and he's so good in amplifying our sins to make them bigger and greater than the blood of Jesus Christ that's a lie if you have fallen into the sexual sin this is the gospel of the Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to wash you clean. To forgive you just repent and come to Jesus and he will renew you, will give you a fresh and new beginning because that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God definitely this morning wants us to understand that sexual sin is serious. It is grave. And it must be dealt with. The seriousness of sexual sin is another aspect that Paul touches in this passage. And Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, wrote that our Father, Heavenly Father, desires the sanctification of our lives. And all of his children, you know, I'm looking at uh, our children just Uh, as they grow so fast and maybe I just didn't put my eyes on a child for three four years and just because that child resembles his mom or dad I know that he is from Forgaccio clan or for the Pusta clan or whatever because the resemblance is there I know that Sila looks like Cornell. God wants us to look like Him. Our Father wants each and every one of us to be transformed into the likeness of His character. This is not uh, something that it is optional. It is something that God, God's will and God's command, is that we should pursue holiness, sanctification of our lives sexual sin is serious because god will punish all sexual sins all sins that are unrepented for and unconfessed and such unforgiven on the judgment day we will stand before christ and be rewarded or punished for what we have done and it is a reality there are some consequences for sexual sin even in this life There are some STDs, sexual transmitted diseases. Maybe broken and shattered hearts and emotions and relationships. Maybe the future that you planned now is shattered because God has not punished you, but the consequence of one sin might be a baby that now is raised by a single mother. There are consequences of shame and, and uh, uh, things that are already being paid as a consequence on this life. But the divine promise, again, because I want to underline and underscore this. Divine promises that in Christ there is forgiveness. There's redemption. And if we confess our sin and profess, profess Christ as our Lord and Savior... We can find forgiveness and we walk in a new way. Secondly, it's serious because of what we are missing out. Verses 4 through 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. What Christ is offering each and every one of us as individuals, maybe like a single people or as a couple being young or maybe 20 or 30 or 40 years of marriage is to have Uh, The life of Christ and the life abundant experienced in our walk with the Lord. There are eternal benefits to live by uh, God's commands. But there are also some earthly benefits when we please God with our lives and controlling our sexuality. The Bible says that God is always uh, blessing his children but also punishes The sin. It is uh, something that uh, I read uh, recently, and was were more surveys and research like that. Thousands of married couples were uh, surveyed recent into a recent uh, research, and uh, it is clear evidence that those who waited to have sex only after marriage, they they live happier and more more fulfilling lives marital lives and those who broke those boundaries because why and now I'm putting the hat of my uh, as a psychologist as a counselor is when you already trespass those boundaries God divine boundaries now you broke that trust and now you enter into ma- marriage and marital covenants and you are thinking well if he or she you know did it before marriage what's gonna hold him or hold her back the trust the mistrust is there and other things that are consequences of premarital sex also it is serious uh, because we choose if we choose to remain in our sexual sin we are rejecting God's will we cannot have it both ways it is black and white god's god's will is very clearly defined and you know i said this uh i made had this illustration before god's will is not like like a chinese buffet that i go with my plate and i like this i like the salad i like this dressing i don't like this salad i don't take out of this dressing i like this meat i don't like this no no god's will is perfect for my life and I have to take it as a whole because God's will is the best will for my life. If we have proclaimed Christ as our Lord and Savior and I trust that all of us or most of us in this sanctuary have done, we still have to decide daily, am I going to allow him, God, to speak truth in every single dimension, in every single compartment of my life? Because rejecting God is scary. It removes the promise of abundant life. God's desire for is for us to please him, to confess our sin, to acknowledge our failure and get back into fellowship as soon as possible by confession, repentance, and then to be washed clean. Our only hope for holiness is through the spirit of God that indwells us. Let us live, and this is what Apostle Paul actually Reminds them in the same epistle in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. For you know how like a father with his children, I exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom. God has called you and me, my beloved brothers and sisters, to be his people And to live in the light of eternity, to know that Jesus returns soon and I am to live my life in the light of Jesus' second return. Let's stand up my brothers and sisters, Bethesda Church. I believe that this morning the Spirit of God and the Word of God is calling you and me to strengthen our resolve like this is the language that's been used in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel and his his friends, they resolved before God that they will be untainted by the food or by the drinks from the king's table. We need to resolve by the power of the Spirit of God residing in us, that we will stay untainted by this world, that we will... will Uh, recommit, consecrate, and rededicate our lives to sexual purity, to attaining God's will in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our community. Let's rededicate ourselves to God. Let's resolve, let's strengthen our resolve that we will serve God, we will walk with God, and we will honor God with, his, with our lives, with our decisions, and with everything, and especially in the area of our human sexuality. Let's all of us pray.